Hi, welcome to Haven. This is a podcast that's a safe space for curiosity and conversation. I'm your host, Haven, and today I'm curious about being a shark, living with a killer instinct. Being a shark, which to me is really more about going after what you want in life. And I'm very excited about the guest I have today. His name is Eric Roy. Hello. Hello. Welcome. We have been friends for about seven or eight years. And we're in the unique spot in that we're couple friends. You and your wife, Tess, are close with me and Aaron, but you and I are more kindred spirits. True. But it's kind of a strange group where it's like you and I get along, but me and Tess also get along. And then Aaron and Tess also get along because they used to work together and they're very creative. And then also you and Aaron get along. So it's kind of this like the perfect idea of a group chat. And we always have the best time together. And my favorite thing that we do are actually game nights. And that's how we came up with our group chat name too. It was one time you were keeping score where I was most likely winning. And you had <laughs> H for Haven, A for Aaron, T for Tess, and E for Eric. And you were like, guys, together we are hate. <laughs> so we just call ourselves the haters. Which, like, as four people, we're all full of a lot of love for each other and together. Yeah. So together, yes, we are hate. Together we are hate, though. <laughs> but it's such a fun group because you and I can be a little spicy. Um, Aaron and Tess are pretty good at neutralizing. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they throw us off and embed their own thing. But mm -hmm. usually you and I are a little more And I don't think a lot of intense. people know that. That what? We have, like, quite a bit of conflict. Maybe not quite a bit, but we definitely have our fair share of conflict. You and, and I? I? Think, yeah, I think a lot of our friends think that we just get along. I agree. Yeah. Do you want to share about some of our conflict? <laughs> <laughs> One of my first interactions with you was when you and Aaron had just moved to Los Angeles and you were running our Mosaic Conference. Uh -huh. And I remember um, I was much younger, much, uh, I wouldn't say much more passionate, but didn't know really what to do with my passion. And you had picked up on the way that I was talking to some of the volunteers and you kind of pulled me aside and gave me a little bit of correction. And in that space, you were running that space, you were leading. And I remember thinking, whoa, like Haven's really going to just tell me as it is. Mm -hmm. And that was my first, uh, I think my first time realizing mm -hmm. that. And at first I was caught off guard. And I think my second reaction was a little bit of like pushback to, did she just tell me that? Mm -hmm. And then um, a, a profound amount of respect for you actually giving me that feedback because you were right. And I really did actually need to watch the way that I was talking to people. And I wasn't thinking about how I was making people feel. And you called that out. I think it's interesting you say respect, though, because I think that's why we can have conflict mm -hmm. is I think we have deep respect for each other. Yes. And I think it's funny. I, rem I recall that moment. It was not as <laughs> not as bad. But like you've had so much of um, an evolution of yourself since then of maturity where like if anyone's familiar with the Enneagram, you're an Enneagram eight, which is a challenger. Mm. And those people can be really intense. But I've I've seen you challenge, you know, random hostess tables like eight years ago, <laughs> hostesses who didn't want to see this to now it's like you're choosing the right battles, the right fight. Yeah. You're advocating for others like you're using that raw passion, raw energy into much more um, healthy outlets now. Thank but you. it's been cool to have seen that. Thank you. Seen that like trajectory together. But I have you as a guest because when I think of who a shark is, like what it embodies, it to me, it's apex predator. It's driven. It's masterful. Um, it's focused. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that to me is Eric. And so I want to talk a little bit more. I know you have a different even definition of what a shark is, yeah. but I want to hear it because I, I was kind of playing with like, what is this concept? Like, how would we take it down to other people? And you stream of conscious through like a shared note. And I was like, well, that's it. That's brilliant. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what is a shark to you? Awesome. Um, you told me about this and I was really excited because being a shark is something that it's not something that I actively try to pursue, but it is something um, we have a mutual friend who also thinks that I, I guess like, you know, embody characteristics of a shark. And so <laughs> I go into a lot of like high stakes meetings and he gave me this hat and I'm going to just show you right here. 
Oh my gosh. It's, uh, it is a shark. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Jake Goss, for uh, for this hat. But, um, and I love that it says attack. We were talking about this earlier. <laughs> attack. <laughs> shark attack. <laughs> um, but Jake gave this to me because he was like, hey, put, you know, like when you go into big meetings, like put that thing on. And when I go into huge meetings, like I, I sometimes beforehand, uh -huh. we'll put this hat on. Um, because I want to get myself into the right mindset. And that was mm -hmm. the first thing that I was thinking about when you were talking about being a shark is the mindset. I fundamentally believe that what we believe we will create. And so a practical example of this is if I believe we live in Los Angeles and there's no parking anywhere ever, but I believe that when I go somewhere that I'm going to find a parking spot. If I'm going to go to Great White, I'm going to find a spot right outside. Mm -hmm. And I believe that. And humans have the ability to unconsciously prove themselves right. Mm. And we will do whatever it takes to prove ourselves right because we like being right. Mm -hmm. And so naturally, if I believe that I will not find a parking spot, I will do everything subconsciously that I can do to prove myself right. Mm -hmm. And same goes for the inverse. If I believe that I will get that parking spot, if I believe that I will close that deal, if I believe that I will, um, you know, do whatever it is that I'm trying to do, um, like from a goals perspective, I'll do everything subconsciously to prove myself right. And there's a lot of like conscious effort that goes in into that, but it's the little things as well. So when we were talking about being a shark, like the first thing was mindset. Mm -hmm. You want me to go through my full like stream of consciousness? I do. But also I think it's interesting of like the parking example, because I was thinking, I was like, I do that. Mm -hmm. Like when I drive somewhere, if, especially if it's a busy lot, I will always at least go to the front and check. And for me, nine times out of 10, I'll get a front spot mm -hmm. and I'll see the people who like are in the back or going to the side because like, oh, this may be my best one, like might as well secure it. And for me, I'm like, okay, if I don't get the front, I'll just circle back and find that other one. Yeah. And, but it also makes me think of, we have such LA children is because I think two <laughs> days ago I went and got a spot. And when I went to go get my three and a half year old out of her car seat, she goes, Wow. We got a great parking spot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, you've been conditioned that this is like a very specific niche yeah. geographical error that like you're thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. My yeah. three year old's thinking about it. Like parking in L.A. sucks. Yeah. Rooney has started to make comments about that as well. But even what you said, like you said, I'll go to the front and check and see. Mm -hmm. I go to the front and I'm like, there's a spot up there for me. Mm -hmm. Like I know that there's a spot up there for me. And so I'm just going to go find it. Yeah. Um, and. I don't know, Tess, sometimes like she'll put the crown on my head when I say stuff like that. Yes. But I do believe I'm like, there is a spot up there for me. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go grab it. And I live my life thinking that if you don't go after something that you want, someone else will. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, I think like duplicity of wants, mm -hmm. um, between all of us, like you and I have an overlap of what you're going after and what I'm going after. And there's a little bit of a competition, not a direct competition in most mm -hmm. of that, but there is competition. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I'm i a sales professional in my career. And I know that what I'm trying to sell to someone, someone else is trying to sell them something different. Mm -hmm. And so I want to get there first. I want to be better. And if I don't go after it, that other person will. So I want to hear your breakdown of a shark. But first, set the stage of like, what do you do in your career? And what got you there and what currently are you striving for right now? Yes. Um, so I am in enterprise cloud technology, which is a lot of words for I sell the cloud for a company called Box. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely love my job. I got uh, started actually in sales before I graduated from college. I went to school for sculpture, actually. I don't think a lot. Do you, do you know that? Of course I did. Okay. We're friends. Right. You yeah. also played the trumpet. Yes. yes. I know these about you. Come on. But our listeners don't. So keep in, keep that okay. in mind. Cool. So went to school for sculpture, decided that I wanted to make money in life. Um, so, but also <laughs> if you're a sculptor, is sculptist, sculptor out there and you're yeah. making, More you know, buku you. bucks, like, yeah, way or to go. Or if you're not and you're living your passion and you find value elsewhere, unlike Eric or I, who have monetary <laughs> value as a driver, yeah. more power to you also. But there's like a belief component. I didn't believe that I could make money doing sculpture. And I think that if I believed that I could make money doing sculpture, I probably would have made that happen. Okay, wait. So then when did you learn this if it wasn't something that was natural for you even as recent as like 12 years ago? The belief component? Yeah. or Because now you believe stuff. Yeah. Well, I think I need, I think you need to choose what to believe. Uh -huh. So I think just choosing to believe that you can make something happen that isn't practical is not like a healthy way to live your life. Mm. And so I think this is a habit that I've had or just a character trait like that I've had my whole life. Mm. And so just balancing blind belief in yourself with also reality. 
I kind of looked at the data set in front of me and thought, I'm not going to do very well financially in sculpture. And the odds of me being able to do very well in this are slim to none. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. So switched my major to economics, got a job in um, commercial real estate, which was a lot of fun, just like a big house full of divas selling buildings. Seabury, those uh, bros. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a ton of fun. And I remember in my job interview, I was being interviewed by one of my senior partners and he said, Hey, you know, long-term, what do you want to do? And I, I literally, I said, I want to be where you're sitting one day. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, well, like you're going to be a 1099. Like, this is what it looks like. You make no money your first three years. Like, do you want that? And I said, yes, I want that. <laughs> so that was when I really got started in sales and really began to understand sales. After CBRE, I got headhunted to a social impact fintech scale up. That was a unicorn because you taught me that term. Yes. Yeah. And for those of you out there that don't know what a unicorn is, uh, a unicorn is a organization that within a specified amount of time hits a billion dollar valuation. Similar to like a WeWork, their rise. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, and not only did we hit unicorn status, we hit double unicorn status, oh which gosh. was absolutely insane. And double I went, rainbow, unicorn double status. rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> Purple Skittles, by the way, like the best. Oh, wow. We're going everywhere today. I just love. Actually, I like orange. Really? They kind of remind me of orange Tic Tacs. No, I'm talking about the actual purple packet, like the tropical purple. Have you had those? Oh, I'm, I hate those. Okay. All I'm right. sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Please continue. Don't let this derail us. <laughs> We're so us. similar and also so different so at the different. same time. Um, so... When I went from commercial real estate over into basically software sales, I began to realize that there are a lot of sales methodologies and ways to be um, very strategic and consultative in, in what you do. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, helped that company and it was an incredible ride. And then about three years ago, started at the, the org that I'm at today, Box. Mm -hmm. And you know, but I absolutely love it. I love what I sell. I love who I sell for, love who we sell to. Um, and it's and it's just a ton of fun. But we sell uh, the cloud to Fortune 5 and Fortune 10 companies all across Southern California. I love it. And as your friend, I love to see like the meteoric rise in you of like you're you. so excited, like the sky's the limit of your goals. And you have some audacious goals like in general. Are we going to go there? Do you want to? I'm down. OK, tell me. Well, I know. Tell the listeners, like, what is the most recent goal that you shared with me that you want to hit? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So we were talking about goals and we talk about goals that are I just want to preface that, like, we have conversations about goals outside of just money. Oh, my gosh. Like yeah. monetary and what you can generate in that sense is like fine. But I know that one of your goals, one of your biggest goals is being the best wife and the best like mother to your kids. And you're so intentional with that. And that's like how I look at my life. I look at success as being the best uh, best husband mm -hmm. and the best father. Mm -hmm. So I just want to preface that. But we were also talking about goals. Did well, you I want to add on that okay. too, because I had this thought, like I want to do a tiny little bunny trail of, um, I went to a large conference and I sat next to probably one of the most wealthy people I've ever met, or at least one-on-one. -on -one. And it was about a, it was a breakout on like financial wealth planning after like a large exit. And he turned to me and he was like, you're so young. Like, why are you in this breakout? And I said, I plan to make a lot of money one day. <laughs> yes. And he said like <laughs> expletive, like I effing love that answer, yeah. you know, and it was great. But then, you know, especially with the wealth planning breakout, I was like, you know, so many people I know that are highly successful, highly wealthy, sometimes are just completely um, bankrupt in mm -hmm. other areas, like mm -hmm. relationally or emotionally. And I was like, I wish I didn't say I plan to make a lot of money one day. I wish I said I plan to be really wealthy one day because to me, wealth is so much more encompassing than just money. Mm -hmm. I want to be wealthy in my relationships. I want to have like a beautiful marriage. I want to have engaging friendships. I want to have my children grow up um, connected and involved. I also want to be wealthy spiritually. Like I want to be strong in my faith and um, committed and in a dynamic relationship with God. I want to be wealthy in my health. Like all those elements of like, so again, like we're going to talk a lot about sales, a lot about money, but wealth, um, that is the smallest snapshot of what wealth is to me. And just before we get back off the bunny trail onto the main trail, you said something and you said, I want to be wealthy one day. Like, I just want to call out the fact, and I'm not trying to gas you up for no reason, but you are already wealthy in all of those areas that you just spoke about. And it's something that I admire about you that I like, I truly, truly love about you. 
Um, and the financial wealth is just the next domino to fall. But I, I like you are already wealthy in, in your life. Thank and you. just for all those reasons. I receive that. Thank you. Cool. It's, it's hard to have um, high ambition mixed with, I also want inner peace. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you reach for the stars and have your feet on the ground? Mm -hmm. But I, it's great to hear that because I can go topple over in either area mm -hmm. where, well, no, that's not true. I only topple over in ambition. Like I, pretty <laughs> much, I pretty much consistently have inner peace. I just sometimes just really want to go for ambition. Yeah. But okay. Tell us your audacious goal. Yeah. So you and I were having a conversation, uh, this was two months ago and we were talking about like our financial goals. And mm -hmm. I told you that I have a goal to hit 10 million a year within the next 10 years. Love so, it. Yep. Going to make that happen. This yeah. is your parking spot. You will find it. You will do it. Absolutely. Tess will place that crown on your head. Absolutely. And a crown on her head. Yes. You guys can afford it. Then. <laughs> Crowns for everyone. <laughs> Crowns for everyone. I um like my parents sacrificed so much. Um, we like we were single income. My dad worked for the city. My dad was born in South Central. Um, my mom, ironically, was born in Beverly Hills, but like a uh, child of immigrants, lived in a back house in uh, just in a mansion. And her mom was a housekeeper, my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And so like, we don't come from a lot. And my parents sacrificed everything to make sure that we had um, as big of a, um, a jumping off point as mm -hmm. possible, mm -hmm. as high of a jumping off point as possible. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to afford my kids that exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't look at it as me doing anything better than my parents because my parents sacrificed so much to, to get us to, to where we are. Um, and so I just, I want to be able to like, from a, um, characteristic perspective, want to be able to just like do the exact same thing. So that's where that comes from. And honestly, like this sounds insane, but I heard God tell me that, um, mainly because, I mean, we believe in like giving to church, mm -hmm. we give 10% of our income to mm -hmm. church mm -hmm. and I want to be able to give a million dollars to, um, to our church like in a year. And I think that that would be absolutely incredible to be able to do that. So that's Love where it. it came from. You're going to do it. Thanks. So. That's your goal that you're going after. Yes. Someone else may have a different goal. So if they're trying to get what they want out of life, I think yeah. there's some char characteristics that you're about to share that I think they can implement. So whether it is like that type of goal yep. or um, whether it is just playing with like something small and practical, mm -hmm. what are some of the elements that um, you think someone can either now pick up on that they're not aware of mm -hmm. or can teach themselves to modify their behavior with? Yeah. Cool. So being a shark. Yes. All right. How do you live with a killer instinct? What defines a killer instinct? So you... Because you came up with the subtitle. I was like, I want to do the be a shark, but it needs something. And you immediately go live with a killer instinct. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life. Sometimes you have to balance it, right? Like mm -hmm. sometimes you smell blood and you, you don't need to go for that in the water. So my stream of consciousness, when you told me about this, I tried to think of, um, okay, what are the characteristics of a shark? Mm -hmm. And as I started going into this, I thought, okay, you can personify a shark so much. So I've got four characteristics of a shark. The first one is silent, um, then deadly, feared, and misunderstood. Mm -hmm. So sharks are silent. What does that mean? Um, sharks maintain the element of surprise. You hear like, dun, dun, dun. like you have the music because they're silent. And what I started thinking about was like, look, I'm not a marine biologist, but to me, sharks don't roar when they approach their prey. They don't make a sound the way that most mammals do. And so I thought that's actually pretty interesting because they're underwater and, and maybe they do make a sound. And so if they do, I'm sorry to all our marine biologist <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get some comments but about that. silent. And I think the human personification of that is um, selective, right? So I think that there's a culture and a notion of I don't want to tell people what my goals are. I don't want to let other people know what my ideas are in the event that they steal them or they take them. And that's not what this is. It is healthy to share your goals. It is healthy to tell other people what you're trying to achieve. And if you are so worried about someone else taking your idea and making the world better with it, I think you care more about your own idea than actually like improving the world. And so... Um, what I don't mean in silence is like keeping everything to yourself and just surprising everyone in the final hour. What I mean is like being selective. Um, I think that right now there's also kind of the opposite of like, I need to broadcast everything that I'm doing and everyone needs to know that I'm strong and I need to be courageous. Like I think that, um, silence 
and selection is a reflection of wisdom. And I think that you need to be selective on who you tell what, as opposed to just broadcasting everything to the world. Um, and I'm a student of that right now. So being selective in what I share and who I share too, I tend to wear my heart on, heart on my sleeve. But I think a characteristic, the first characteristic of like how to live with a killer mentality is knowing, especially in the corporate world, knowing what you can say and to who. Hmm. Wow. I mean, I'm just letting everything you're saying like wash over because we haven't talked about like what this is. And so to me, I'm thinking, wow, there's so much impact and it's different than what I was thinking you were going to say of silent. Mm -hmm. Cause to me, like yeah. when I think of silent, I think of listening. Mm -hmm. Like I think of, I'm going to listen and observe mm -hmm. and you can learn so much just by being aware and observant. Mm -hmm. And that to me is, I think also of like, okay, what's the, like, what's the scenario around here? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because so I think silent um, for a shark has a little bit of like a negative connotation is like someone's going to sneak up and attack you. Yep. And that's even how I kind of initially was seeing silent because I thought for a long time internally, I was, if I walk into a room, I, my instinct is to see who's the alpha here. Like of just to pick out like who's the top dog in this room. And mm -hmm. I don't even do it consciously. Yeah. Um, and to me, I think it was, oh, because I don't want to like um, out, not outshine or be bigger. I just want to honor whoever the alpha is or mm -hmm. whatever. I'm sure it was some type of like survival instinct somewhere I picked up. But it's interesting because the alpha isn't always the loudest. They're not always the most intense. Mm -hmm. um, they're not even always the leader. Yeah. Like if you pick it up, you like you can see, oh, this person's actually going to defer to this one. And that one's the true like um, decision maker and thought leader in this space. Yes. The best leaders that I've ever had have come into our organization and spent the first three to six months listening, learning, soaking everything up before they give direction and tell people what to do. Mm -hmm. And that's um, and we'll talk about being feared. And mm -hmm. this is a great segue into being feared mm -hmm. and. I think the the human personification of that, like the human word, is respected. Mm -hmm. So sharks are feared for their deadly power. They are feared because of, um, you know, jaws. And the way that we look at sharks, shark attacks, you hear about this happening all the time. There was uh, just like this grisly video of a guy that was um, like literally being eaten by a shark. Mm -hmm. And that influences how we think of like being feared. And I think it'd be really unhealthy to have a reputation where you're feared like that. And there are certain leaders that they come into organizations or their leadership uh, leadership style is just one out of fear. And ultimately, that leads to rebellion. And so um, I think the the healthy kind of human personification of how sharks are feel or feared is being respected. Um, so being respected, what I mean by that is you have to give. Um, in your position, whether you are leading or not, you you have to give. You have to lead with humility. You have to lead with honor. And ultimately, to be the best, to be a thought leader, you have to bring everyone else up with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's one of the best ways to to be respected. I love it. I have no notes to add. I'm just co-signing everything you said. Awesome. Great. <laughs> I agree on that one. That's what my take of that word was too. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> Next, we have deadly. And when I think of deadly, I actually think the human word for this is strategic. Mm -hmm. And I love strategy. I fancy myself as a strategist. I am always thinking of ways that you can influence the outcomes and without being directly involved. And I think that that's strategy. There's the kind of suits Harvey Specter way of seeing things two, three, four steps ahead and adjacent to you that I really love about life in general. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by strategic is like anticipate your opponent's next move. Um, and in order to do that, we tend to focus on ourselves a lot. What do I want? What do I want to get out of life? What are my goals? This is what I need. And in order to be successful in life, you have to prioritize others. You have to think of others. What motivates them? What are they scared of? What are their desires? And you have to 
spend less time thinking about yourself and more time thinking about what fuels other people. And I think that's the best way to be strategic. In my business, I will read a 10K. A 10K is an annual financial statement that a company files with the SEC. I will read that financial statement. And based on the numbers, the comments, and the statements in that financial statement, I will look back in the organization and I will say, these are the personas within the organization that would care about what I have to sell to them. And so that's what I mean when I'm when I mean like being strategic. And I have kind of a non-business example of that. So a couple of weeks ago, you know about this. My neighbor. Oh gosh, you're really <laughs> telling this story. <laughs> okay, keep going. This is the this abridged is a wild version. One. It's wild. Okay. Um, in short, my neighbor threatened to kill, threatened to kill us and got into a 12-hour standoff with SWAT where we were evacuated from our house and he was ultimately taken into custody, released out on bail, and um, is being charged with felony vandalism and felony assault. Yeah, he went gnarly. Full, yeah, he went full demo derby on all the cars on our street with a 25-pound sledgehammer. <sighs> so um, that was a little traumatic Part of living in LA, unfortunately, is that you have people that um, are struggling with mental health and don't have access to get the help that they need. Right. And um, my neighbor is a, a result of that. Now, my biggest priority is protecting my family. And how can I protect my family? We got to get this guy off of the block. Well, how do we get him off the block? He's got to sell his house. So the very first thing I did the next morning is I called five local real estate agents and I said, hey, I think that this house next door to me is coming on the market soon. Here's the owner's phone number. You should reach out and try to list the house. I'm getting other people to try to do my work for me and influence this selling the house as this guy's best option. My wife is going to hate that I'm sharing this right now. <laughs> But, we'll give Tess veto power if she wants us to okay. cut this. That sounds good. But keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I did some digging and I found out that my next door neighbor made all of his money in crypto and NFTs and is a big gambler and um, made a bunch of cash, bought his house cash. There's no deed of trust on the house, which means that there's no loan. So mm -hmm. he took $2 million, bought this house and just left it there. Not a wise financial move. No. Anyone like don't do that. Mm -mm. And... Again, with the end goal of getting him to move out in mind, I filed a anonymous tip. It's actually not anonymous, but I filed a tip. With now the, it's not anonymous. Now it's not. It's definitely not anonymous. Um, I tipped off, tipped off the IRS that, hey, you may want to look into the fact that this guy hasn't paid taxes on his gains. Mm -hmm. And if you're hit with a 50% bill on whatever those gains were and you're, you're hit with a million dollar bill and the only way to pay for it is by selling your house – Sorry, bud, you got to sell your house. And I'm doing that to protect my family. So it's right. less vindictive. Uh, I'm telling myself that it's less vindictive, but I am motivated. And that, that's the strategic side. Um, and, and it's a little bit of the silent and selective side. And I think that's why my wife doesn't want me to broadcast this because she's like, you need to be selective on who you tell what. Mm. Um, but I also think it's important to contextualize outside of just business areas in your life where you can be strategic or sometimes where you have to be strategic. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a shark in action. <laughs> From beginning to end of that story, we got to see exactly the thought process. Yeah. I thought it was cool. I hope we keep it, but obviously I hope so too. if but she wants us to cut it. Like, don't come after my own and I will do anything to protect my family. I would never. And I will never. <laughs> Not directed towards you. <laughs> Not really directed towards your listeners, but that's kind of my mindset in life. Yes. Thank you, shark. <laughs> I'm not scared. Okay. I Last, have, wait, I'm oh, gonna, yeah. No, no. Okay. <laughs> this is my Your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, but I shall be running this. Thank you. I had a different take on deadly. That's why I want to say it. Okay. Is again, like I didn't see your notes. And so I was like, what do I think these mean? Yes. And so I have my own interpretation. Okay, go. Um, to me, deadly is focus. So to you, it's strategy. Mm. To me, it's like intense focus. And what am I focusing on? Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm taking it back to your original thought of like, if I'm focusing on the good parking spot or the bad parking spot. Yeah. For me, I am always like, why would I not try for the highest? Mm -hmm. I have no problem people saying no to me. I just need one. Yes. Yeah. And so I think about that in my life of like, when I was in college, I needed some extra cash and I was like, okay, I'll nanny. So I went onto this website, I was filling out my information and they had a toggle of like, okay, do you want like 18 to 20 an hour? 
20 to 22. And I was like, I'm throwing that baby to the end. Absolutely. I said, I'm going 50 an hour. It was like the limit. I was like, I probably would have put more if they let me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm 50 an hour. And I was like, I don't care if everyone passes my profile. Yeah. Like just one person hire me. And I did. It was like this oh, highly yes. wealthy family in Dallas. And they chose me, I'm sure, because of that rate uh -huh. of, oh, like she'll value herself there. Like that's the kind of person we need. And she's there's credibility that comes with that as well. well I just a $100,000 nanny is way different than a $50,000 nanny. Completely. And I know if I show up, I'll deliver. Yes. I just need someone to, <laughs> to trust believe. me enough to show up. Yes. And then I can do it. And it was amazing. And it worked out for me. And it was amazing side cash. And then- um, when I moved to LA like eight years ago, I had previously worked um, a nonprofit. It was like 45K a year. And yep. I was like, I'm going to make the jump to 75. Yeah. I was like, that's the jump I'm going to make translating from moving to Dallas to California. And I was connected with a headhunter, um, multiple. The first one I ditched, and I'll tell you why. It's okay. this person. I went. And she was saying, okay, what's your experience? What is this? And I told her what I wanted to make. And especially at the time she goes, well, that's not really reasonable, especially like if they're going to ask what you did previously. And I was so firm. I said, oh, I believe I can make it. I know mm -hmm. I can do it. I said, just put me up for it. And she was trying to like push back on me. And then she ultimately took me to the CEO of this headhunter group. Like she was like, let's go into this office. And she told this woman, thinking this woman was going to like completely shut me down. Mm -hmm. And I advocated for myself and I said, here's the thing. Um, you guys want to make a commission off of me? You're going to make more of a commission at 75. <sighs> I said, and I'm going to make this whether I make it with you or do it on my own. So if you want to make a commission on me, put me up for those. And if you don't, then I'll just go somewhere else and they will. They'll make a commission off of me. <laughs> and the CEO, she goes, yeah, I believe her. So put her up for those jobs. That's and that lady incredible. had a tail between her legs, but then that lady was still the account manager and she was putting me up for some crappy things. And so that's why I switched headhunters of yes, good that call. lady was still pretty butthurt about it. But I was like, I don't mind if like people pass on me, like yeah. I'll take the right one and I'm going to hold out and wait for the right one. And I have a clear focus on what I want to do. And I'm not going to go, I'll go a little under it. You know, like yeah. if someone like was, you know, going to do 70, let's still a freaking big jump from 45 to 70. Absolutely. Like, why wouldn't I go for it? And so I think to me, deadly, like to kill, like if you're going to kill, not to wound, not to whatever, if you're going to kill, you have to aim for the heart. Yes. And what is the heart of what you actually want? And the heart of what you want is going to take risk. Yes. And it's very scary to what you said before of saying your goals out loud. Mm -hmm. That is so scary because you put yourself up for disappointment. Oh, yeah. And you put yourself up for accountability. Uh -huh. And you put yourself up for, if I don't get this, I may be crushed. Yes. And it could really hurt me. But guess what? Like, you can be hurt if you don't get it and if you never say you wanted it. Mm -hmm. You know? Might as well say, I really want this. Like... I really want, um, I really want a spouse. I really want it. And I'm telling people I want it. I really want this job. I really want to change careers. I really want to be a sculptor. Like, okay, if someone has that goal, I want you to be a sculptor. And I really I hope want, it. I really want a boy. Yes. And you gave me that same advice. Yes. When you guys were trying for your second child, you're like, I really want it. And I was like, say it out loud that you want it. And I was scared to acknowledge that I really wanted a boy. Our first is a girl. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember telling you like, hey, you know, I really want a boy. Tess really wants a boy. And I was scared to put it out there for those reasons. And you gave me that same advice. And now we have Bodhi. And it's also interesting is when you share those dreams or you share those vulnerabilities, then you give people the opportunity to wildly celebrate mm -hmm. when you do that. Mm -hmm. Like I almost, okay, I'm going to put up the clip. I don't know if you have the photo or the I video. I have the photo. Okay, so I'm going to put up the photo <laughs> of when you told us that you guys were pregnant and us like freaking out. Aaron and I, we were all, so, we were so excited. Um, gosh, I love that memory. That but that, such a good memory. you invite people in and then they get to celebrate mm -hmm. when you achieve that or when you do that. Like, or... If you don't, you have people to cry on their shoulder and say, I wanted this and I didn't get it. And going back to what we first talked about, that's the difference between being silent and selective. Mm -hmm. So be selective. And you touched on a number of like characteristics of a shark in that definition of focus. 
one of the things that I love about focus and that I love about your husband is his ability to focus and hone in on something. Oh my gosh. I don't know what he's doing with his plugs and his wires and his cords, but I do know that I like the way that it sounds. And I know that I wouldn't like the way that it sounds if he hadn't invested and focused so much into perfecting that craft. And so like, that's another example of focus that I, I like, Aaron has the ability to focus on like anyone that that I know. He does. And so you're talking about his modular sense and all of his music and it's like very, very niche, but he does it everywhere. Like at dinner, mm-hmm. like maybe you and me will do a lot of the talking. Mm-hmm. Tess will kind of t- chime in. Like she'll do her, like, especially if she's like, you know, wanting to talk about, um, we'll present different couple issues to one another. Uh-huh. We'll kind of translate who's playing therapist now. Uh-huh. Of like, here's our fight. Yeah. Who was wrong here? We'll bounce that back and How forth. How are you guys? You good? Yeah, we're good. How are you guys? Not good. All Not right. good. Okay. <laughs> it's your turn to tell us. But Aaron, he's a man of fewer words, but oh my gosh, when he speaks, mm-hmm it is uh, worth listening to. It's like the quote when I think of Aaron is like quiet waters run deep. Yes. Like it's so deep. So his focus is he's selective with his word choices. Yeah. But when he says something, you're like, okay, like it's worth listening to. So I agree. I wouldn't call him a shark. Um, I wouldn't, but he has that characteristic. But he has that characteristic. And I also don't think everyone should be a shark. Nope. I think it's also if you want to. You gotta have minnows. You gotta have some. Oh, food. okay. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> let's not be like degrading here. <clears throat> we need dolphins. I was thinking Aaron's a dolphin. Sharks also eat dolphins. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and seals. Okay, let's go to food feeling chain. misunderstood. Sorry, before we go to misunderstood, what? you said something earlier, and I wanted to bring in this thought, and I think because we're talking about like being silent and mm-hmm. selective. Um, Denzel said this in the best movie of all time, American Gangster. And he said um, to one of his, uh, I think it was one of his cousins Mm -hmm. who was helping him run drugs. And he was all dressed up like a drug dealer. And Denzel's vibe in the movie was like very conservative. Uh Don't stand out. And he told his cousin, he said, "The, uh, the, the, the quietest in the room is the most deadly in the room. And whenever I go into a room, the person that's silent but watching, there are some people that are silent on their phones disengaged, but there are people that are silent and watching. Those people are the most deadly. I'm terrified of them. You know, it's so interesting you say that too, of like kind of going into like the listening component and the observant component. I had this thought, I almost wanted to make an entire episode where the sentence keeps running in my head of like, wisdom is not an original thought. Mm Mm-mm. Like I think of all the wisdom I've gleaned or anything that I've shared that someone's like, wow, that's wise. I'm thinking I didn't make that up. Right. I know I read that. I know I heard that. I know someone told me that. Yep. But you have to, being wise is listening. Yep. Being wise is asking, again, select of the right people, like your questions or observing people. It's not observing everyone. Yeah. Because you can observe people and say, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to do that. And sure, you're getting a little data point from that. Yeah. I want to look at people who, who do I want to be like? Yes. And what are you doing and what are you saying? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's another component there too that is even a part of like the selection. Yep. Awesome. Tell us, this misunderstood one's funny because yeah. you did give me a little ha- highlight on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny. So I said misunderstood and I was talking about this with Tess beforehand. Mm-hmm. I said misunderstood and she like belly laughed at me. <laughs> like what? She goes, you're the middle child. Of course you're like, oh, I oh, misunderstood. No. I'm the middle child. <laughs> Wait, is this our problem? Are we over I think so. Oh no. So This turned a different direction. <laughs> So the human word for misunderstood is also misunderstood. Wait, what? All of these like deadly, strategic, feared, respected, the human word for misunderstood is also misunderstood. Sure. So uh, one of the best movies ever, Finding Nemo. We've gone from American Gangster to Finding Nemo. Um, (laughs) There's, there are sharks, right? And um, you, you expect that they're going to eat the what, Dory and I don't know, the, the, the dad looking Marlin. for Marlin. Thank you. Okay. So you have these sharks and you think that they're going to eat Dory and Marlin. And then all of a sudden they're not what you expect. They're a little misunderstood. And they have this mantra and they're like, fish are friends, not food. And I did not want to be in sales. I never wanted to be in sales. I hate it. I hated the idea of sales and even saying sales. There's a negative connotation that goes along with the word like salesman. You think of someone trying to sell you something that you don't want. You think of someone trying to sell you, you know, snake oil or, or whatever that may be, used cars, 
um, that are, you know, going to crap out in, you know, a few miles, the second you drive it off the lot, that, that kind of thing. But now I understand a little bit more of what I do and I truly act as a trusted advisor to my clients, to my customers. I understand their needs and I truly put solutions in front of them that I believe will help them achieve their targets in a more optimal way. I don't have a full encompassing view of what they're trying to achieve. If I were absolutely perfect at my job and had the perfect customer, I'd probably be able to do that. And so sometimes there's stuff in the peripheral that will take away from you having the perfect solution. But I think understanding, caring about your customers, being a trusted advisor takes simply selling a product to the next level, layering in strategy and advising your customers on what they need to do to help them achieve their goals. And you are helping them see two, three, four steps down the road as well from a strategic perspective um, in a way that they may not even be thinking about. I love that take, but my favorite was Defining Nemo. Yes. I mean, where you landed was great, but where you started was my favorite. Also middle child. Also middle child. <laughs> oh man, that could be its own episode. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about being misunderstood because I felt misunderstood this week. Okay. Mm -hmm. Talk to me. Yeah. So I had a clip from the podcast on my episode about people pleasing go viral uh -huh. for all the wrong reasons. Yes. People hated it. And like the people that are commenting on that are insane. They're insane. I deleted, I would say probably 600 comments. That's crazy. It, it was kind of going insane, but I, you know, kept it for the views. <laughs> <laughs> I know I saw it and I saw the views and I saw the comments and I, I like, I stopped reading the comments because I was They're like, I, you don't want to like give that oxygen. But no. then at the same time, I'm like, well, people are crazy. Yeah. But it was an interesting thing of like the clip was basically talking in the greater context of how overextending yourself is to your detriment and even very good things may not be the best thing. So it was like my friend at the gym, like getting mm -hmm. her a Starbucks card and everyone's like, if you're a real friend, you would text it or email it. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. And I wanted to be like, I've known this friend for like a couple of weeks. I don't even have her phone number or email. Like right. I was feeling, I was feeling defensive. Yes. Like that's what I was feeling. And then what I thought of, like, um, I'm a person of faith. Like I've shared, I've shared this a couple of times. Um, so I thought, okay, who do I look, look up to? Jesus, Jesus, were you misunderstood and how did you do it? Hmm. And I'm like, he was misunderstood all the time. Hmm. People are like, you're not the son of God. And he wasn't like, yeah, look at this water. Look at this wine, watch this miracle. He didn't continually try and prove that he was the son of God. He just kept being him and who he was. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't trying to get down and fight and say, it. he just knew himself. And I was like, okay, I know myself. I know I'm a good friend. Yeah. I know the context in which I said this. Could I have set the clip up better? Sure. You know, I'll learn that when my own editing next time and the timestamps I'm, time I'm sending to my producer. Sure. There's learning for me, but feeling misunderstood. I know who I am. These people don't know me and I'm not going to respond. Like I'm not going to, it's not worth my time. It's mm -hmm. not worth my energy. Um, I'm going to continue in the path of who I am and it's not worth it. Cause if you actually know who you are, like it's, it's kind of dumb mm -hmm. to go through back and forth and trying to prove it to someone who's not going to believe you anyways. Yeah. I think the question that comes to mind for me when you say that, and the one that I run through often, we all care about what other people think about us, mm -hmm. but are you living for what other people think about you or are you living for you, for who you are? Mm. And I'd rather live and be authentic because I think that people would be more drawn to authenticity than me always being right. Wow. That's probably why you've been married so long. <laughs> and therapy. And therapy. Man, that keeps coming up every episode. Is everyone's like, therapy. It's Los awesome. Angeles. It's like, oh, when did you? How's your therapist? I did it in Texas, though. Pretty ahead of the game. Yeah. But that was because my mom told me I should. <laughs> Maybe because I'm a middle child. <laughs> I'm going to start. Well, no, we're done with but two. But look so. at us. We're done with two. Our yeah. kids will never face this. Yes. Are uh, we going to go down that rabbit trail? Oh, maybe. I mean, Aaron's eventful, non-eventful weekend. Oh, my God. He will not I'm let me sorry. keep this on here. <laughs> he will not let me keep that. He's getting a vasectomy today, guys. <laughs> snip, snip. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. It's go like, lay in bed. Go lay. He actually does. He just wants to play Zelda all day. Yeah, that's great. Man, I don't think he's going to let me keep it, but. I hope he does. This is some good banter. Aaron, please <laughs> cutest, let us keep this in. I did the cutest gift for him. Have you seen those online where okay. they, 
are like doing oh. the gift baskets of stuff. Yes. And like they use different candy and it's like exactly. cute and fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you did that. I really love that you did that. Yeah. I told Tess, hey, I'd love if you did this. And she said, I'm not going to do that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, you talking about, um, you initially talked about delegating. You know what I did? I sent my assistant one of the inspo things and I said, his favorite candies are Sour Patch Kids, Nerd Clusters. I said, send me a list of what you're going to do on Amazon under $30 and what I need to write on here and I'll do it. And so she sent me everything on Amazon. She told me what to write on it and it maybe took me 10 minutes and it cost me $30 and however much time my assistant Well, clearly you it. don't care because if you cared, you would have done it yourself. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> if this goes viral again, I'm a horrible wife. No, I'll show it. I'll show the picture. I'll send it to my producer to put it off here. It was a very cute gift basket. I put a little blanket next I to it. I can't wait to see it. But I also delegated. <laughs> That's great. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Thank I, you, Amber, yeah. my number one assistant who saves me time. And also set this up. Yeah. And she was, she was, I told her use discretion. Now I'm putting it on my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, we're not talking about this. Here we go. Awesome. Okay. So the the end, but I have some questions, but I want to rapid fire them because we've talked a lot here and I love it, but I want to make them quick. Cool. Um, Okay. I'm going to read the questions people submitted. Someone said, I guess I just have a hard time allowing myself to be an amateur. How do I balance that feeling? I think that when I feel like I'm an amateur in a space, Mm -hmm. even right now, this is one of the first podcasts that I've ever done. So I'm an amateur in this space. Uh I think there's- Technically, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, I'm still an amateur. Let me clarify. This is my first. This is one of your first. Got it, got it, yes. There is a fear of risk component that comes into this. And some people have a bigger risk appetite than others. Oh, yeah. But you're risking and you're stepping into something that's unknown. There's another portion of that, which is manufactured confidence. Mm-hmm. I used to make 100 phone calls a day, every single day, for three years. And what we would do before we made calls was we would actually practice the Superman pose. So if you don't know what the Superman pose is, it's when you stand up, you put your fists on your hips, and you throw your chest out. And if you do that for long enough, they say that that will impact your level of confidence and your ability to speak on the phone. And I would speak on the phone my first few calls in the day with that. And that was manufacturing confidence in what I was going to do. I would also visualize the win. I would already be living in the reality in which I had accomplished what I had set out to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think those were three things that helped me balance that feeling of being an amateur in that space. Because it's okay to be an amateur. Everyone's an amateur because we have all done something once for the first time. Uh, But the question is, are you going to do it once for the first time or are you always going to be scared of being an amateur? Snaps. That was a good one. And you're watching a great white. If you're a baby shark, that's okay. Like you're watching someone who's big and developed like that. Like you're telling me of 100 calls a day, like all of that stuff took a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Someone's seeing an end result. Yes. The end result always looks glamorous, yes. but the path there is never glamorous. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I had a question that I asked you this like last week mm-hmm. because I had an issue where um, it was an issue with a, a client in the business that got escalated yes. like almost unnecessarily. And I was saying, I asked my business mentor, I was like, hey, here's what went down. And he showed me where I messed up. He was like, well, the client was coming in hot. He goes, but you showed your teeth too soon. Mm-hmm. He said, and you escalated it by, you know, using a certain, you know, legal term or some type of thing. He goes, and that's what set it off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, what do I do when I feel, I was like, I, what I felt was I felt attacked. Mm-hmm. And so then I like, again, metaphorically, I showed my teeth and I was like, okay, what do I do when I'm feeling that next time? And I thought, who has worked on this? Eric used to have anger issues. <laughs> I say used to. Used to. <laughs> and I laugh. I'm just kidding. You're much, much better at it. Thank you. Much, much better. And so I was like, okay, what is like something that he's done when he feels escalated and elevated? So my question in this um, lens is like, how do you eat the right prey? Yeah. Um, I think time. You can't go after everything that's in front of you. Some of it's not right. And some of it, some of it is. So one of the things I used to get sent to HR all the time for how I reacted and how I talked to people. And I had a really negative brand at my last organization. And when I started at Box, I developed new goals. I want to be a CRO. So that's head of sales. So I want to be a CRO for a fortune 500. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to get there if I continuously 
offend people and am a walking HR violation. And so I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people that I care a lot about. And one of the things that kept on coming up was time. You need time. It's natural to have a defensive type of reaction when someone says something and and you may feel attacked, but your feelings are not facts. Mm. And what I have done is instead of firing right back at someone, instead of going on Slacker teams and going right back at them, I will maybe draft out a message and I'll do it in my notes so they don't even see that I'm typing. Like I am, uh, I am not, it's like nobody's home to receive whatever message they just sent over. So I'll draft it out. I'll wait 30 seconds a minute because sometimes waiting too long is too much. I had a situation in my personal life where someone extremely close to me waited around five weeks between conflict and then resolution. And that's way too long. There's damage that's caused in there. But I'll give it 30 seconds, a minute, five minutes. My advice to people would be figure out how much time you need and then and then use that time. Then revisit it. And 100% of the time I read what I wrote and I think, I don't like how I, I don't like how I sound. That's not the intention of what I'm trying to say. And I'll adjust it and I'll change it and then I'll send it back. Another tactic is, and you and I talked about this, just pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. So much gets missed in interpretation over email or um, any other form of like written dialogue. So picking up the phone allows you to communicate empathy and understanding for that individual. And it will help them understand that you genuinely care. And when you are aligned in a common goal, you can solve almost anything. That was amazing advice. Because I remember it was exactly what you said in the moment. You sent me a voice memo and you were like, time, what's your medium of how you're doing it? And then align on a common goal. Yeah. And that helps. Yep. The time one was the biggest thing though. Because to me, it's the same as like in the moment, later on, I always think, oh, there's there's probably a better way to say that. Or that felt more um, heightened than it necessarily needed to be. The anger response is, I mean, that's, that's a pretty tough one for me because it is something that I am working on. But just in the spirit of vulnerability, um, I have a temper. It is something that I've struggled with my whole life. I'm working on not having a temper. And um, I heard myself lose my temper when I was looking at Rooney's uh, baby camera or her, her baby monitor. It records stuff and there was a sound alert and I listened to it. And I got to tell you, I hated how I sounded. And so like how many times have I sent out an email and then looked back on that and thought I really didn't like what I wrote. I really didn't like how I sounded. And time is one of those things where we're working with Rooney, our daughter on, she has a sensory processing disorder. And so her speed to reaction is much shorter than most, most other kids. And Rooney was about to throw something at the dinner table the other day. And I, I grabbed her hand and I said, Hey, Like, I want to give you something that I didn't have when I was growing up. And that's a few seconds to just think about what you're doing. I said, I'm going to let go of your hand. And if you still want to throw it, like you can throw it. But like, I want you to just like, just pause, right? There's power in the pause. Let go of her hand. And she set her hand down. And I started crying because I didn't grow up with the ability to understand like how valuable time is. And, um, in that moment, I felt like I'm able to give my kid something that, that I wasn't able to have. And that was, that was a really awesome feeling. I'm just letting that kind of sit in because that was really, really tender. Thanks. And I think it's so cool that you did that for Rooney. See, sharks are misunderstood. We have tender spots. You do. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think also of sharks or anyone. Um, I think deep down people are tender. Yeah. I remember asking my mom once, I was like, well, how can you tell like if someone can handle something or if they're tender? And she goes, assume everyone's tender. Yeah. She goes, assume everyone deep down. Dr. Becky, everyone is good inside. Mm-hmm. Right. And. I do believe that. Like, I believe that everyone has good inside. It may be deep down, but I believe that like inherently everyone has good inside. Mm-hmm. And do you correlate that to your faith? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I believe that God created us to have good. And mm-hmm. I believe that there is a battle between good and evil. But 100% I correlate that to to my faith. Mm-hmm. Sharks can have faith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, I said rapid fire, and we're not doing rapid no, not fire. At all. So I'm going to give you some more, and this time you really do have to do rapid okay, fire. Okay, cool. Um, as someone who's very aspirational, how do I set goals without letting it consume me? Two responses to that one: one, if it is a healthy goal, why is letting it consume you a bad thing? And two, don't let your goals consume you. You consume your goals. Love it. That was rapid. Ready to go. 
why oftentimes are we the biggest obstacle for our success? Because we're scared of failing. We're scared to prove ourselves wrong. So out of fear. Yes. So what would a love response look like? I mean, that's one of the things that I work most on because I'm terrified of failure. And so I am working on my risk appetite and just growing that. Um, practical applications of that are saying yes to things that I know are healthy for me, but I normally wouldn't say yes to committing them. Um, me stating my my fiscal goal or my financial goal, like at the beginning of this podcast is an example of that, putting, mm. putting it out there. I love that. How to stay motivated and focused on your goals and plans. <laughs> I can't relate. I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. If you have goals and plans, well, so goals, tactics, and strategy, those are all different things. Plans, right? Plans are uh, what you make in order to enact on a tactic that influences a strategy that will help you achieve your goal. Yes. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm following it. But okay. the, the motivation piece is the one that I'm like. You may have the wrong goals. Okay. You may be telling yourself that you want to value something that your actions don't actually reflect. And so I would let your actions influence and dictate your values as opposed to trying to make values and goals that would dictate your actions. That's great. I like that response a lot. That's a good one. Um, what's your formula to save money? Do you have a percentage you save? Yes, we save. Um, you know, typically people will say anywhere from 25 to 35 percent. There are different ways that you can save, different ways that you can invest. Um, we had this conversation with Rooney the other day. She did some chores and I gave her a dollar bill around the house. She did a terrible job, right? Like I wouldn't normally have paid her except for the fact that she's three mm -hmm. and like, you know, her cleaning the windows is is not going to go well anyways. Mm -hmm. And she said, I can buy a lollipop with this. I said, yes, you can. I said, or you can. And what my parents used to always tell me is you can save it. And I was like, ah, mm. oh, you can save it. Ugh, I uh. hate that. You can invest it. You can Invest. turn that $1 into two, turn that $2 into four. And I'm not one of these like Instagram financial advisors that's going to tell you to buy a G-Wagon and depreciate the whole thing over the course of the year. And I, like, But what you can do is like instead of consuming with what you earned, you can invest that and you can delay immediate gratification for long-term satisfaction. So also with savings, like I, I similarly see it as invest, mm -hmm. like the, there's a, a simple formula. You don't have to do this formula, but here's an example of like a 10, 10, 80, mm -hmm. you save 10. Um, if you're a person of faith, you'll tithe, or you can give to a nonprofit 10, and then you live on 80. Those are like smaller mm -hmm. margins on that. I choose, um, higher of, I want to invest in ourselves with our like retirements, 401ks, Roth IRA, SEP IRA, 529s. Like those are the things that I'm like, these are the ones I want to focus. I want to put something in for future house down payment savings. All of those I want to not touch and just have them keep rolling. Um, I also, Aaron and I had a pretty big goal when we got married is we want to raise our tithe 1% every year of marriage. That's awesome. Every year. And we did it up until the pandemic. Then <laughs> 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 You know, recalibrating. But we're trying to get right back on the path. We've always given more than 10%. We always will of our our interim goal uh -huh. is to give more money than we live on. We're yes. one way that goes over the 50%. Yeah. So Look. Blue Van Dyke is a great example of that. He is the business leader of a very large church in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And he, um, he works for church because he was extremely successful in the business space. Mm -hmm. And I... Um, I've met him once. I'm like enamored by his ability to, with his friends, they all decided we are going to live off of X amount and anything else that we generate from an income perspective, we're going to give away. If you're a person of faith, like that's awesome. If you're not a person of faith, like give to make the world truly a better place for us to live in. Um, we talk about how gnarly LA is right now. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that like even outside of just the financial dollars that we can give, I think that we can all give to make this a better place for us to live, a better city for for us to live. Like how can how can you do that in your own life? Or it's even like of like where your passions. I know like a YPO member who met his wife at KCRW Music Fundraiser. Mm -hmm. They love music. They share in it. Like yeah. they donate there yes. because it's a shared passion. Yes. And it's something that they believe is important. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Tess and I do the exact same thing. So for KCRW? No. Oh. <laughs> I was <laughs> she like, would oh, actually you probably love that. that. 
There's also uh, Parkinson's law, which basically is an economic law that says like your expenditures rise to meet your income. And so we will naturally fight against that economic law or that economic principle um, in making sure that your expenditures don't rise to match your income. So give yourself kind of that ceiling. Savings or investing comes first mm -hmm. and then your expenditures should um, match up then to what's left over. That's awesome. Yeah. Eric, this has been so fun. I knew that I was going to love having you as a guest. Thanks. And it was it definitely delivered. Thank so you for I having appreciate me. you driving the long long commute to I left this last podcast night. I brought space. my Ugh. I brought my passport. Eric has so much trash talk on the valley. It is absurd. Cuz I grew up here and I got out. Yes. You're dragging me back here. Yeah, you're, but you're allowed to trash talk it cuz it comes from a little place of love. I love this place. Yeah, totally. But okay, thank you for listening. I'm so glad that um you've been on the journey with me here. And I'm excited for future topics. Email topic requests to hello at havenpod.com. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok. My handle is at haventhepodcast. I'll open it up to Q&As there too. And I'll kind of give you a little insight into what topics I'm curious about and I'm going to talk about. So follow me there. Please let me know if you have anything else that you'd like me to cover. Uh, I've been getting some interesting requests on there. Um, I have an entire folder in the email of ideas that people have sent and sharing their own journeys or what's been impacting them from these episodes. And I'm really enjoying reading those. So YouTube, like, subscribe, follow me on that channel. And then other than that, I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>